we are in the middle of the most joyous holiday season of the year as far as I'm concerned. That's the way I feel about it. And those of you that know me and know me well can attest to the fact that I feel like it's the most joyous time of the year. I love the Christmas season as much or more than any little child does even today. I look forward to it. I relish in it. And I'm sad when it's over. This coming Wednesday, we're going to celebrate that holiday that we have come to call Christmas Day. And this is the season of the year when folks are speaking and singing the name of Christ. This is the season of the year that many are possibly even thinking of Christ. Perhaps more so than at any other time and at any other season of the year. So maybe we ought to make plans and think a little bit about making room for Christ in our lives. To be sure, we do not know exactly when Christ came to this earth. Because you see, the year itself and even the time of year that Jesus came is uncertain. What we do know is that Jesus came. And that is perhaps the most important thing. Not when He came, nor where He came, but the fact that Jesus came. Because the coming of Jesus into this world was the most important event that folks has ever occurred in our world. Because when Jesus came, divinity invaded earth. And let me say I chose that word invaded with some very careful thought. Because for God in the flesh to come to this earth, folks, that was an invasion of enemy territory. Because it was through the sin of mankind that Satan had become the prince of this world. And Jesus coming to dwell among humanity happened only once in all the history of the world. And don't ever forget, that one time was the most important event that ever has happened. And yet, The story of Jesus' coming is a story whose sadness actually seems to deepen with the passing of the centuries. Because as you read the story of His coming, the angel of suffering has appeared to Mary. Her brow is crowned with the sweet radiance of motherhood. And in her arms, Mary is holding a baby. And that baby that Mary is holding in her arms is heaven's king. More than being heaven's king. He's the king of this world. And he's the king of all worlds. It was of 
This baby, the prophet, sang those words in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Word made flesh coming to dwell among us, full of grace, full of truth. And the birth of Jesus was an event that was so wonderful, so magnificent, an event that was so glorious, that all of heaven thrills at the wonder of it all. A star pointed to the manger cradle with fingers of light that night. An angel proclaimed the glad tidings of great joy in words that shall never lose their sweetness. For unto us this day is born in the city of David a Savior, the angel said, which is Christ the Lord. A heavenly choir sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But our text this morning, a passage that Mike read a few moments ago, sheds light on this for our day and time as well as for that day so long ago. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7 contains a statement that you and I have heard all of our lives. There was no room for them in the end. And the tragedy of that is the wonder of heaven, the song the angels sang about, the wonder of heaven is little shared by our sin-darkened world today. In that far-off day, there were a few wise men that followed the fingers of that star that were pointing to that cradle in Bethlehem. And those wise men would soon come to that manger and soon come to that baby and they would offer their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. There were a handful of shepherds out there watching their flock that heard the angels sing that night. And they would make their way to Bethlehem and find the Christ child. But there are so many today. We meet them on the streets. We see them in Walmart. We see them at Whataburger. We see them everywhere we go. So many today are like that innkeeper so long ago. Beloved, the world, for the most part, passes Jesus Christ by with unseeing eyes. That innkeeper in the long ago was just that close to greatness. He could have had the Son of God, the Christ child, the Savior of the world, born in His very house. But He missed it completely. In His blindness that day, He throws the gift of heaven out into the stable with the livestock. Because there was no room at the end. And since that far off day, Jesus Christ has grown to manhood. He has spoken, we read, as never a man spake. He has shown Himself to be the wisdom of God and the power of God. He's gone to the cross 
for the redemption of my soul and yours. He was buried in Joseph's new tomb and He broke the bonds of death. Jesus has lifted empires off their hinges and Jesus changed the entire course of human history. And Jesus today accounts for all that's high and noble and best and good in this world that we live in. And yet, folks, for multitudes of people, they're living a life without Christ. Not just at this season of the year when the majority of the world focuses on Christ. There are multitudes of people living life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year without Jesus. I read a statistic yesterday that less than 40% of all people in America attend church on a regular basis. I saw a cartoon yesterday that's going to make its way into our bulletin, by the way. But it's a preacher sitting down lamenting the way life is with his wife. He says, you know, I just don't understand. A hundred people voted for us to continue having a Sunday night service. And only 15 showed up. Millions of people living without Jesus Christ. And there are multitudes living without Jesus Some because they've never heard the story of Jesus. Some have heard the story of Jesus and failed to accept it. And some, having heard the story of Jesus once upon a time, pledged their allegiance to Him, but then that all changed. Just like the inn at Bethlehem in that far off day, where there was no room for the Christ child. There are multitudes of people right here, right now. Thousands of people right here in Shelby County who have no room for Jesus in their hearts. Maybe that innkeeper so long ago, maybe he failed to make room for Jesus because he was not expecting Him. Maybe he had no thought of His coming. Maybe he had no hope of His coming. That's the way it is with some in our day and time. And you know, to a great degree, we've lost our expectancy. To a great degree, we're a generation of people that is exceedingly short on hope. To be sure, that's probably one of our predominant characteristics. One of the great needs of the church today is for the church to recover a note of its lost expectancy and its lost hope and its lost faith. Our lack of hope. Our lack of expectancy. Our lack of faith. Our negativity. Our woe is me, the sky is falling, what will I do mentality may defeat our Lord and shut Him out of our lives entirely. Often more effectively than positive sin does. In the New Testament, 
You can read of a certain village that Jesus visited. And there were no mighty works there. Because the villagers just simply did not expect anything at the hands of Jesus. And maybe that's why that innkeeper shut the door in Jesus' face. Maybe he wasn't expecting him. Or maybe he shut the door in Jesus' face because expecting him, he did not recognize him. You see, Jesus came to that innkeeper in that far off day as the unborn Christ. To be sure, that innkeeper, he didn't have the chance. He didn't have the opportunities that you and I have. He didn't have the opportunity of reading about the Christ child. But his failure to recognize Jesus, perhaps it was due far more to the fact that he was not expecting Jesus to come in the guise in which he came. That can often be the way things are. It's easy to sometimes fail to recognize one that we're not expecting to see. It's like happened when my mother died several years ago and we were having the family visitation hour on Thursday night before her funeral on Friday. There were lots and lots of people that, that came to that visitation and I think some came just to make sure she was really dead. But everybody came that night and this one lady comes in and she sees me and she hugs me and she lays her head on my shoulder and she's just sobbing and crying. Talking about how we're going to miss her and so forth. And I, yes, I know and thank you so much and so forth. And she walked off and I looked. I said, who was that? And Norma told me. It was Matt's kindergarten teacher. I'd seen her every day. And she'd come in our store. She'd come in my office. And she had a son the same age as Matt. Who was that? But I wasn't expecting her. We do that, don't we? Well, maybe that innkeeper that day wasn't expecting Jesus to come as an unborn baby. A lot of people have missed Jesus because He was in some form they weren't expecting you remember after he was crucified and he was raised from the dead, there, were, there was Clopas and his companion walking back to Emmaus. Heartbroken, devastated because Jesus had died. And they were, Jesus joined himself to them. He was walking along with them. You guys, mind if I walk with you? No, I'll be fine. And they were bemoaning the fact that the Lord was dead. They were talking to each other. About there was nothing else to do now that the Lord was dead. All their glad hopes had come to nothing. And Jesus, as they went on their cheerful way toward home, Jesus went with them. He entered into the conversation with them, and they failed to recognize Jesus. Their lack of expectancy had closed their eyes to the fact that the Lord was there. And yet... In that far off day, when Jesus walked up and down the dusty roads of Palestine, and when He was born, there were those that did recognize Him. They recognized Him even though He was disguised as a little child. 
The sainted Simeon that we read about in Luke 2 was of that group. He held the baby Jesus in his arms. And listen to what he says in Luke 2, 29 and 30. Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. We never know. We never know in what guise the Lord will knock on our door. He may come through a gnawing hunger or a burning thirst. He may come through the consciousness of our weakness or a sense of the sheer futility of life as we're living it. Or Jesus may come and knock on our door through some call to service in His kingdom. And then again, maybe this innkeeper did not open the door to Jesus. Maybe this innkeeper didn't make room for Jesus because he didn't want him. That's the way it is with a lot of folks today. I don't mean we would not want Jesus as our guest if we could have him on our own terms. Problem is, we can't have Jesus on our terms. We have to have Jesus as our guest on his terms. There are those that Jesus came to in the New Testament that did not receive him. One of the most glaring that comes to my mind is Governor Felix. Paul preached in front of Governor Felix. And he reasoned with Felix on righteousness when Felix was unrighteous. He talked about Felix to Felix about temperance when Felix was quite intemperate. And he talked to Felix about judgment that was coming when Felix sat in judgment on others. And as Paul preached Jesus to Governor Felix and reasoned with him about righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, do you know what Felix did? Dr. Luke tells us in Acts that Felix trembled. It moved him so deeply. Then do you remember what Felix did? He said to Paul, he said, go thy way. And some more convenient season I'll call for you. Go on now, Paul, and don't bother me. Sometime when it's more convenient for me to accept Jesus, I'll call and let you come back and preach to me again. We're told that Paul actually preached in front of Felix a few more times, but the preaching never had that same effect again. Felix never did anything about it. Felix never made room in his heart for Jesus Christ. And then I remember that young man we read about in Mark chapter 10. Matthew and Luke record the story too. But Mark tells us that this young man came running to Jesus. And running to Jesus with that great enthusiasm, he fell at the feet of Jesus. And he looked up at and see him by an eye of faith. He looks up to Jesus. Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, with his kindly eyes and gentle way, said, Thou callest me good. There's none good but God. But if you would enter into life, keep the commandments. 
And the young man said, which? Jesus said, honor your father and mother. Love God. He enumerates the commandments to him. And the young man said, I've kept these from my youth up. What do I lack? Jesus said, well, if you want to be complete, go and sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and come and follow me. And he wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. He loved the baubles of the world more than he loved Jesus. It says that he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. He wasn't willing to make room in his heart for Jesus Christ. If there are those who do not want Jesus because they feel like Jesus is too exacting, there are others that don't want Jesus because they fail to, to see that Jesus is infinitely rewarding. They fail to see the treasures of priceless worth that Jesus brings to our lives. They fail to see that Jesus coming means the coming of peace. That Jesus coming into our lives makes real the songs the angels sang above the hills of Bethlehem so many years ago. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. But the question that comes down to our day and our time, how do we make room for Jesus in our heart? Of course, we all know it begins with simple, trusting faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Turning our back on sin to repentance, confessing that faith, and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. That's the way we begin making room in our heart for Jesus. The great tragedy is that oftentimes after folks have done those things, they decide to evict Jesus from their hearts. They invite Jesus in. They make room for Him. But then the things of this world crowd Jesus back out. And we stop letting Him control our lives. We reach a point that we no longer allow Jesus to dwell in our hearts. I could take you up and down the streets of the city and up and down the county roads and point out to you, there's one, there's one. Those who once upon a time had room in their heart for Jesus. And there's no place in their heart for Jesus any longer. We need to make room in our heart for Jesus. Just like that, there was no room in the end so many years ago. In so many hearts today, there's no room for Jesus. There needs to be room in our heart to make Jesus the Lord and Master of our life. If there are changes that you need to make, we can help you with to do that. This is the opportunity to come as we stand and while we sing.